All right. So if you don't know, my name's Greg Hampton. I'm one of the pastors here. If it is your first-ish time, I would love to meet you. I'll buy you coffee. I love coffee. Name the coffee place. I will buy it for you. If you don't like coffee, I'll buy the soda, whatever your, your drink of choice is. Today we are beginning a new series that is called The Church Called Tov. And it's about being good, not just as an individual, but as a church. What does it look like? What does it mean? How is a church good? I've mentioned it before, but Scott McKnight is uh, the professor of New Testament and Northern Seminary that's just three hours from here in Lombard, Illinois. He has authored 30 books. Uh, his name is often mentioned in the same sentences. People like N.T. Wright. Uh, N.T. Wright is uh, a beloved uh, theologian and scholar, and Scott McKnight is right there with him, in, in leading the way with the way that we think about the scriptures. One of the books that he wrote, he actually co-wrote with his daughter, Laura Bank Berenger, and it is called The Church Called Tov, Forming a Goodness Culture That Resists Abuses of Power and Promotes Healing. Ta-da! <laughs> they wrote this book because, unfortunately, churches or the way churches handle certain things aren't always good. Brennan Manning wrote, The temptation of the age is to look good without being good. And churches aren't immune from trying to look good while straying away from what is actually good. Now, don't raise your hand. Okay, don't. Promise? Ian, don't raise your hand. But do you guys know what a trap house is? <laughs> trap house is a modern phrase for something that has always existed. It's a drug house. Drugs will always be sold in a million different ways, but one of the ways is a trap house. It is an actual house where you can go and buy your drug of choice, and at some of them, if you want, you can even stay for a while. Next question. Has anyone in your family ever lost their phone? Okay, next question. Did you track the GPS on that phone, and did it lead you to a trap house? Anyone? Last question. Did you go get it? Because I did. A few years ago, one of my kids was at Taco Bell, phone in pocket, and they had like, you know, plasticky uh, booths, and it just fell out kind of nice and easy, and they didn't see it when, when they left, but because we have iPhones, we have Find My Phone, we use the Apple account to lock it and track it. Of course, you can't track a phone that's been turned off, and usually people that steal your phone are only going to turn it on a couple times a day to see if it has been unlocked or if they can access it. And uh, so, but finally, after a couple days, I got an alert with the location. And so I went. Why, why wouldn't I? I parked. I got out of my car. I walked right up to the house. And I said to the guy standing outside, hey, my kid lost his phone the GPS says that it's here for some reason. Like, have you seen it? And then he reached into his pocket and he pulled out the phone <laughs> and said, yeah, 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 I was just holding on to it for you, man. He handed it to me. 
I got in my, I said, thank you. I got in my car. I drove home. I gave the phone back to my son. The next day when I told a couple of my friends what I had done and where I had gone, they were like, bro, did you know that was a trap house? Now, some of you are wondering, what in the world does this have to do with a church and being good? And some of you already know. Because goodness is essential to churches, but it can be faked in dime bag doses, divvied up like rocks and hits, spooned out, lined up for artificial fits of euphoric belonging, hooking people until they feel it's too late to escape. That might sound dark. Some of you are actually breathing a sigh of relief that someone finally said it out loud. Some of us might be on the edge of actually being triggered about talking about the difficulties that can happen in a church. You're not triggered because of my reference to a trap house, but because of your past church experiences. Because some of you were strung out by something that looked real, just long enough to hook you and then hurt you. And I hope that you hear me say that you are not alone. Because everyone is hungry for goodness. Everyone. Your neighbors, your co-workers, your family, they all just want something that is really, truly, actually good. And the world knows this. Hollywood knows it. Just turn on TV. Turn on a streaming uh, a platform, and it feels like every other show has the word good in the title now. Good behavior, good bones, good eats, good girl, good grief, good work, good omens, good luck, Charlie, good trouble, the good cop, the good doctor, the good fight, the good guys, the good life, the good place, the good wife. Everyone is selling good like it's a drug. And churches, some churches, are no different. This church, this house. If we are not intentional on purpose, we can just as easily turn into a trap. And how easy would it be for that to be the meme? We're already called the house. I can see it now, the little thing, trap, house. New merch dropping. Churches should really, truly, actually be good. Amen? Yes. Now, in the last 10 years, I have spent zero time standing behind this table or otherwise bad-mouthing local churches. I've had individual conversations with some of you where churches have come up and I've said, oh yeah, I knew that, or da-da-da-da-da, or we've had conversations, but this pulpit, this table is not a place for us to bad-mouth other local churches. And so I'm not going to start now because that's not good. I'm sure that we will tell stories. The different people that stand here and tell the sermons, preach the sermons throughout this series will tell stories. But I'm telling you right now that we are not going to use local churches as examples. Because some of you have friends that go to those churches. And you all are smart enough to figure out who we're talking about if we did. And that's just not good. At the same time, from the beginning of this church, we have acknowledged that church hurt is real. We say that the house exists to what? To invite people in, to call prodigals home, 
to adopt the spiritually homeless because we all know someone that has never gone to a church because they didn't think it was actually safe. It wasn't, they weren't like, oh, I just don't believe or want to believe or don't want to hear about it. They just didn't think it was safe. We all know prodigals that left because they didn't think they could live up to the standards of the legalistic older brother. We all know someone that is spiritually homeless because their pastor or church board was abusive and addicted to power. It's hard to hear and it's hard to say, but it's the truth that churches can often protect the wrong people. They protect people like me, people that are on the payroll, people with words like pastor in front of their name. So while for some, it makes no sense why someone would leave a church, let alone leave the church or Christianity all together, for some it makes no sense why anyone would stay. So if we, if we are going to stay, if we are going to invite others in, if we are going to call prodigals home and adopt the spiritually homeless, what kind of culture we have that we are inviting them into matters. Matters a lot because the church is meant to be the embodiment of Jesus Christ, our Lord, in the earth. And Jesus, our Lord, is good. We won't be perfect, but we should want to be good like Jesus. Amen? Now, I debated just like maybe ending right there and just giving it an easy, okay, this was hard enough to say, just kicking the subject right in the teeth and being like, all right, we'll see you next week. But I do think that the scriptures have something to tell us. And so we're going to open up our Bibles today to the book of Genesis 1 and Galatians 6. You can uh, do one or both if you'd like. If you don't have your own Bible, we have physical Bibles on the uh, bookshelf in the lobby. They're blue. You can take one of those, it is yours, or you can download a Bible from any of the digital app stores. Uh, Genesis is the very beginning, and Galatians, it goes uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and so um, if you see any of those, you're in the right neighborhood, okay? All right, so we have a tradition of giving the scriptures our full attention uh, when we read them during the sermon. One of the ways we can do that is to stand together um, as we are able, or, but if you prefer to sit, um, I'd just appreciate it if you will pay attention to the scriptures. Here we go, Genesis 1, verse 27, and then I'm going to jump to 31. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Verse 31, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Galatians 6, 9 through 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let us pray. God of every tribe, every tongue, every color, and every nation, we thank you for the scriptures that they have persisted throughout the millennia. That we have them to read consider and to learn from. And I pray that today, whatever you have for us to learn, I pray that it would stick, that it would become a part of the framework of our faith, that our faith would become stronger, that we would become more like your son, Jesus. 
Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'm not going to take too much more time. Uh, There's just two things that I want to point out. The first thing is that God's intention for you, God's intention for us from the beginning of the story has been goodness. From the very beginning, his intention for us has been goodness. In the book of Genesis, when God looks at creation, in particular, when he looks at humanity, God says that we are very good. The word for good in Hebrew is tov, T-O-V. It is found hundreds of times throughout the Old Testament. In the New Testament, its equivalent is only used four times, but when Paul is writing about the spiritual, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, he, for some reasons, even though kindness and goodness are very similar, he separates them out and stands goodness on its own as something that should be coming out of us if we are believers. But tov doesn't mean just good. Tov means a goodness that is capable of, engaged in, and destined for the fulfillment of God's purpose. That is what God said that we are from the beginning. And he said it before we had done anything. In other words, God built goodness in. We don't get it after we do something good. You do not do good things to become good. You do good things because you were created good. Does sin want to cover up our goodness? Yeah, of course it does. Let me tell you what Jesus does. He doesn't cover our badness with his forgiveness. Hear me? Some people think, oh, okay, Jesus died on the cross. He bled. The blood blood represents his forgiveness for us. It covers us. It washes. Okay, it does not just cover up something bad. It washes away everything that is not good. (laughs) Thank you. Because that's where we're going. Listen, God's forgiveness does not cover up your badness. It washes everything away that is not good. Because you are good. Underneath it all, you are good. We were created from the beginning to be good. We are told. We are very tov. We are capable of, engaged in, destined for the fulfillment of his purposes. If that doesn't describe what the church is meant to be, what the church can be, then I don't know what does. The church, full of people that were created good, is capable of. Engaged in, destined for the fulfillment of God's purpose. But while we are, by God's very design, good, and while his forgiveness clears the way for goodness, the goodness that he created us to be, to have, to shine through, the second thing I'll say is that we need to be reminded sometimes to be good. So much of what Jesus taught was a reminder of what is good. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The first will be last. The last will be first. If you enter a banquet, do not take the spot at the head of the table, but seat yourself at the foot. That way, when the host comes in and sees where you are seated, he will say, no, you must come and sit up here. Don't lord your power over others. Don't be like the Pharisees. You have heard it said, do not murder, but I tell you, do not even hold on to anger. Jesus is reminding us over and over and over again of what is good, of what good looks like, of what is tov. This is why someone like Paul was so important for the early church. Writing letters, making visits, checking in. Most of what Paul wrote was reminders. Hey, maybe don't do this to each other. Hey, maybe don't act like this towards each other. Hey, stop getting drunk on the communion, guys. Hey, save some people for, God, the, save some for the people that got there late. He's constantly reminding the early church of how to be the good that God created them to be. And he says that we should never stop being that good for everyone. No one should be left out. But then he says something that I think that can be misunderstood or misconstrued. I think the people go, oh, well, we're only supposed to care about people that enter the church. No, he said everyone. And the scriptures, the, the gospels are very clear that this is for everyone. But he does tag that and he says, make sure you don't stop doing good, especially for those in the community. Well, why? Well, maybe because this place should be safe. And if someone decided to walk through the doors, they should expect goodness. They should expect something good. They should expect for those of us who that are still flawed to be trying to just be good to them. To not go, hey, why are you sitting in my seat? Not go, whoa, what, what happened to you? I haven't seen you in a while. Hey, why, why are you always late? Hey, I saw that, 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 that post where you were angry about such and such. Don't you know that you're being a bad example? Etc. 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 How about, hey, haven't seen you in a while. I need a hug. Hey, what are you doing? We should get coffee. Man, we need to catch up. Hey, do you want to go in and sing with me? Hey, can I sit next to you? Hey, what's your name? Oh, I've met you three times already. I'm sorry, Jim. <laughs> Goodness. Goodness. He's saying be good, do good to everyone. But if someone, if someone risks it and says, you know what, I'm going to believe in this thing that I can't even see, that they'll receive something good. Scott McKnight says, goodness is an executive virtue, one that governs all behavior and cannot be narrowed to one specific command or prohibition. A good person is one who has discerned what is good and does good repeatedly over time. It is the small goodnesses that add up to greatness. 
So I will never ask any of you to be great. I would only ask us, look at myself in the mirror and say this to myself, just do a little good today. Just do a little good today. Because according to McKnight Beringer, this kind of church, the kind of church that is good, nurtures empathy while resisting a narcissist's culture. It nurtures grace while resisting a fear-based culture. It nurtures a people-first culture while resisting institutional creep where things are just all already predetermined because that's what the institution says. It nurtures truth while resisting false narratives, especially about people that aren't a part of your community anymore. It nurtures justice while resisting a loyalty culture. It nurtures service while resisting the celebrity culture. It nurtures Christ-likeness while resisting a leader culture. So over the next two months, we're going to spend time diving into each one of those dichotomies. And I hope that you will join us as often as you are able because if we, if we all do these little good things, if we are all in this together, and if we are healthy, if our church is healthy, then when you invite others to this house, they won't send you this. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, and the way that your Holy Spirit still moves. I pray that today that your Holy Spirit, that is comfort, would comfort every heart in this room, especially those that have arrived here in this place with a past of church hurt. I'm sorry. I pray that they would please forgive us. And Father, I pray that we would, as a church, good by good, work to be more and more like your son in this place. Amen.